Hello, wonderful humans. We are back for an episode of The Growth Vault. If you are wondering where the beautiful fro is and how we got such a good-looking, well-dressed, incredibly articulate man on the show or person, it's because we all love AO. You know, and, and you know, money talks. Just got to grease the little palms, and here you go. You get, oh, you didn't get the check. Chase didn't send the check. Was money talk. That's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, wait, are you implying that I paid you to show up here today? But I'm so sorry. Oh, no, no, no. We're paying you. No, no, we're paying you. Of course not. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get it. That's crazy. Um, CMO over at Recart, just an absolute killer. One of the best, just SEO content brand humans. Yeah, outside of just the brand and marketing stuff, you and I have just connected on a, a, just a really cool philosophical, psychological level. I've gotten just so much inspiration and wisdom from you. So, Ayo, welcome to the show. Man, the feelings are ridiculously mutual from uh, back in that first IRL picture we floated with our, our Isn't that, that group. Oh my Both gosh. Good. I had my hair did. Yeah. It feels like ages ago, doesn't it? Time time is such a weird one. We'll try to keep that off the, you know, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Your readers or your your, your listeners. Look at me. I'm such a writer. Your readers. God. I love it. I love it. Well, that's a whole podcast in terms of how you write and structure things and everything like that. But, But before we get into that, we had, as much as we love each other, a little bit of a tiff on the Twitters and then... We got to talk brand, right? I mean, uh, we're just jumping right into it. Yeah, All right. Uh, no foreplay, nothing. This is, we haven't seen <laughs> each other for a while. We're just, we're going right into it. The door opens. We're not even popping the champagne, baby. We are, yeah, we are jumping into it. Okay. So I want to let me give my thesis first, and then I want you to rip it apart because you have some really interesting counterpoints that I want to walk through to see am I a uh, misunderstanding or is my thesis? weak and I need to bolster it and be able to, uh, so essentially strongman, right? Like I, I want to strongman my argument and make sure that there's no holes and you have some really cool perspectives. So my well, let's whole- Let's give a little bit of context on, on, okay. on how this all went down. Cause uh, our buddy Rob, Rob Frazier, Outway, yep. fabulous human being also. Wonderful et cetera, human, et cetera. powerful Canada. We dropped about a month ago. It was what's more important, brand or product? Why? Right? So you, you baited me. You didn't even know you were baiting me. Oh, so lest the listeners get a different version of history, they can go we'll put it <laughs> in the show notes, right? Because I came in with, I reject the premise. Yes. I premise. Yeah. Oh, that is verbatim. That is verbatim. I, I reject the premise. premise. Rob asked me a personal question as one of the most thoughtful human beings in the e-com space. And you jumped in. Right? So Rob wants to know from Aaron, say more. Had to. Right? Yeah. And here comes, yeah, this, and this is your response. Product is brand. Brand is product. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't don't leave me hanging. I also second tweeted. Also miss you when Austin. But okay. nor here nor there. Okay. So you tried to throw some love <laughs> as a secondary thought, like a like a PS. This, this, yeah. This the yeah. shit sandwich, right? Yeah. yeah good job. <laughs> well, that's going to come up later in this episode too. <laughs> you actually are. That's like such a good. Okay. Okay. So that's the content. <laughs> product or brand? You say. Right. Transitive principle. They're the same thing. Yeah, I think it's a false premise. I don't think they're differentiated. Okay, now let's build your your strong man. Yeah, okay. So I think the way I think of brand, um, and there's actually, small digression, there's a a great book called The Seven Powers of Business Strategy or some shit like that by a guy named uh, Hamilton Hilmer. And brand's actually one of the seven powers, the foundations of business strategy. It's a little dry, but like if you guys are into this space, it is a seminal read, a fantastic read. So that was something that was really interesting because he actually can quantify or he has mathematical formulas in terms of how he quantifies brand because brand can become a power. The whole thesis behind the book is businesses have seven powers. You can have multiple powers and that's how you essentially keep your market share, keep your business going, et cetera, et cetera. And brand can be one of them. With that being said, I think brand is the aggregation of every customer touch point and experience that the person has with the brand. So the brand is product. The brand is the website. The brand is who people I interact with and in real life events that are representing said brand. Like every single customer touch point, brand is the aggregation of all those. So if I have an incredible product experience, but I meet somebody from the team and they're like a douchey salesperson or something, that degrades the brand. But conversely, if I meet somebody in real life and I really like that person, 
that also elevates the brand. Ads are brand. Every single, again, customer touch point is brand. And so to bifurcate product and brand, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I will caveat it with this. I don't think that it is possible to have a bad product and a great brand. I do think it's possible to have a mids product and a great brand. Say more about that before I, I dig in. That's interesting. Say, say that again. Because product is brand, there. If the brand, for example, like if you take like you know, I'm obsessed with the luxury market. If you take like quasi luxury stuff, there's not a lot of utility vector on that. It's a lot about other status, uh, emotional status, social status. These things that are less about the utility of the product and more about perception, how it makes you feel. These other things. So the product doesn't necessarily need to be the best, but it just can't be bad. If it's a bad product, no, there's no way to have a good brand because you have this albatross around your neck weighing you down with the crappy product. And you're constantly, constantly interacting with this bad product. So you're constantly withdrawing from the brand account. And eventually the brand account becomes negative because those bad interactions not only count for more than positive interactions, because I don't yes. think a positive interaction and a bad interaction are actually um, parody. I think bad you remember bad way more than you remember good. Furthermore, a lot of people will yell more than they'll cheer. And I don't know if that's something about society or whatever, but if something bad happens, dude, almost everybody's like, fuck it, flame war, we're going to the Twitter. If I have an incredible brand experience, I'm like, this was such an incredible experience. And I might tell some friends and stuff like that, but very yeah. rarely do I grab the megaphone, which is you know, maybe a, just a a personal slight on me. but So that's kind of the thesis. Brand is every customer touch point. Positive interactions are not the same weight as negative interactions. And if you have an, a below average product, it becomes a kind of fool's errand to make a great brand because you have all... You can almost think of it like in B2B SaaS, it becomes like a leaky bucket of brand where even though you have all this goodwill coming in, there's no vessel to capture it because that product sucks. You're right about the, the negative versus positive. So I'll, okay. I'll highlight where you're right before I dig so in. The, the shit sandwich is already starting. Oh my God, I love it. And you're right about not only the external, what I do with that information outside of myself, but it's all the more true internally. This is true oh, relationships, yeah. right? Yep. This is like, it takes, I got to give five to 10 compliments, positive, attaboys, girls way to be a human being, sort of like, it takes a lot more positive affirmation than it does to tear that down with a negative experience, a negative comment, et cetera, right? That's so true emotionally, totally relationally, and true too with, with products. So wh where I come out, what I, the, I think brand is word of mouth and word of mouth is what people say about you when you aren't in the room. And that could be what somebody says about you to themselves, they're, what they're thinking, but especially what they say about you to their friends, to their family. If you ask yep. them to be a referral, if you're talking about, you know, what do you say on social media, especially in response to something when you're not watching, when you're not there, because people are also pretty polite for the most part. Yes. Um, what do they say about you in the room? And here's the crux of the matter. So I'm going to be like layers. Brand is Love word layers. of mouth, right? Word of mouth is what people say about you when you aren't in the room. And the determinative fact when what people say about you in the room comes down to equation between what was my expectation versus my experience? Yes, I would 100%. I, I'm, I'm in total agreement so far. That delta to me is far more useful than saying every single touch point. And that's what I think about when I'm really trying to nail in. So where can I actually go to move the needle? If I want to move word of mouth, and so I can do one of two things. I can lower expectations, which is yes. actually like a legitimate sort yes. of tactic. Like don't overpromise. Right? 100%. Under promise, over deliver. 100%. But the most dangerous thing, and this is where it becomes really, really practical for marketers, people that are good at marketing, is it when you outpace the thing you're selling, you can win in the short term and it is going to bite you in the long term hard. Eventually, yes. that delta is going to get created. Yes. And it can be churn, it can be lack of repeat orders. If you're thinking about SaaS, if you're thinking about consumer products, Right. Yes. Uh, that delta that and so dangerous when you are good at the upfront stuff, the out for, you know, whether it's making ads, writing landing pages, you're just really good on social media. That is one of the most dangerous places to be. I keep doing like a little triangle that delta. Right. 
And this was a hard one lesson at a couple of places I've been at before where like the marketing was screamingly good. And the fundamental problem becomes I get on the inside, I start experiencing the thing and it, it can't possibly live up to those expectations. Yeah. And it's not a bad objective experience is the thing. Mm. It was still above average in the sense of like, okay, did the thing you paid perform better than the alternative that you had paid for before? It well, doesn't matter if that's a yes. What matters is, do I think I got more than I was going to get? Yes. I think that the the former example that you gave isn't relevant because people will quasi-relate to, like going back to relationships, people will quasi-relate to their past relationships. But to your point, it's more prescient to relate to the expectation that was given to you, which is established by the branding. So I'm, I'm in total... Uh, I love the idea of, because what I say here, furthermore, I think the delta between expectation and reality isn't brand, but the measure of the brand's impact on the business, or said another way, this is the measure of the brand equity and infinity. That doesn't make any sense to me, so I don't know why I wrote that. But I like the idea of the closer together the expectation and the output is, that, that cohesiveness is a great brand. The farther that gets like the dissonance between expectation and output, that it's almost like a negative correlation, right? Like as that displacement gets bigger, that's a terrible brand versus if you know what you're going to get. And so a perfect example of this to give people an easier mental model is franchisees. So the whole reason you do a franchise is because you get to run somebody's playbook. So I, I figure out where to put the store. You don't have to worry about the inventory that you're going to sell. All you have to worry about is making sure that that experience is as cohesive and up to the standard and expectation that you have. So if you go to a McDonald's or a Starbucks or what have you, there's a certain expectation that you have. And if that expectation is worse than, or if the uh, experience is worse than the expectation, then there's brand degradation. Like you're like, God, man, the McDonald's is really falling off. I can't believe I did this, that, and the other. And this is coming from a guy that I did McDonald's in uh, 10 different countries when I was in Europe. And it was all like a, a great experience. To be fair though, the expectation is not Michelin star, right? There's a certain expectation of like clean, fast service, a, a Big Mac tastes the same in Hungary as it did in the Czech Republic, as it did in France, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But I've kind of been talking a lot. I'm kind of off in the weeds. I have yet to find the divergence though in our thinking because I'm, I'm still 100% on board with you. I think it's a matter of clarity in what you aim at. That's what I'm okay. drive towards. Okay. Because it's it's such a hard thing to wrap your hands around. And people get caught up in, I think the knee-jerk reaction to a word like branding is storytelling about the founder and or product itself, the aesthetics yep. of the brand. And sometimes yep. people will put things like the unboxing experience that surrounds the product, the yep. CS and CS experience that surrounds yes. the product. These yes. sort of intangible, in a lot of ways, qualitative versus quantitative, although you've got NPS and you, you can measure these sort of things for yes. sure. But- it's trying to really nail down, like, for example, this, I think, is one of the deep ironies of e-com D2C's love of really good but scripted UGC. Yes. And there's an obsession out there, too, of how much should you be paying for it? How do we get good UGC? And by and large, 90% of it is all about how do we find good creators? Yes. Right? Not how do we identify what people are really using our product for and what they love about it? I've Candid got an agenda I want to push, so I'm going to help this creator. And the creator's job is to do it in a believable way. But the crux of that matter is what I believe about the product itself. And so I'm trying to create an experience that's believable, that I think is real, that can translate into an ad, that can translate into someone buying it, rather than starting with what is the actual experience of the product. And, and so I think the UGC thing is a really good example of that, where it Crazy. can get really sideways. Great example. You get banger UGC, you might have a killer ad and a whole batch of problems on the back end. So a perfect example of this, actually, and this is such a great... Yeah, you're so good. This is See, people, you see what we do for you? Only the best. Only the best for you guys. Avi actually just had a huge issue with this. So Avi, during the, uh, the vid, during the COVIDs, they found this really amazing influencer... She was driving all this revenue. It was amazing. And then as the economic climate shifts, the stimmy bump goes away, et cetera, et cetera. The people that they were acquiring weren't actually necessarily aligned with the brand. They just really liked this influencer. 
And so they were seeing like, oh my gosh, who we taught Facebook, our ICP or ideal customer profile is like not really our ideal customer profile. We brought in a bunch of group honors that were actually loyal to the influencer, not necessarily the brand. And furthermore, these people didn't have the, and not to sound elitist, but the demographics necessary to back into the economics needed for the company to be profitable. Oh, that, that was nicely said, right? You just threw it like one level down into Yeah, room. that was that was nicely said. I'm not I'm not shit on people. You are where you are and I want everybody to make money. But so he nuked his whole account. The, he started a whole new pixel, everything, and now it's screaming again. And so I think to your point, that was that, it's just such a really spot on way to think of that. And I think the way people go about UGC should be more of that. And that's candidly, and I want to give it back to you because I'll get off my soapbox here, but I think that's why UGC was actually so awesome in the beginning because it wasn't necessarily UGC in the sense that we know it now. It was like, dude, this customer is getting value out of this. They have a really cool story that's relatable, that's alignable. The job to be done that they've identified is something that we hadn't thought of yet. And it's coming from a place of empathy. It's coming from a place of like, hey, I, I am you. There's relatability. And that's what really hits in the UGC. But to your point, it, it got to a place where people were trying to arbitrage it, where it's like, oh, cool, here's the script we want. Let's get a great actor and yeah. let's make this up out of fiction, where I think the best UGC comes from literal users, you know, ideally evangelists that are high usage, love, literally love the product. There's not a reason you need to pay them. They're like, dude, I... I love your brand. Just send me some product or something. You don't need to pay me to make these videos. And once you get that financial, like I think there's business transactions and relationships transactions. And once you get into the business transactions, which are fine, but they they get this like flaccid, I'm so obsessed. And it's like, it just doesn't land for me. We'll have to track this one down too because uh, Dave wrote about this. Dave Recook from Bamboo Earth about oh, the Dave's performance the of real UGC Dave's in their the ad account. And it was such a great example of and I think my snarky like retweet comment of it or re-xing was breaking. Hold news. on, hold on. Is that what we're doing now? We're re-xing. Is that reposting? I, mean, I don't know. I don't hate doing. it. I don't hate it. We'll have to do a whole nother diverge. Maybe we'll do a whole. We'll bring you back on to do the, the. I think that was the biggest branding mistake ever by possibly one of the best branders ever. Which oh, is that like is this, such a good. Yeah, you just got really like, counterintuitive. Right yeah, 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 no pun intended. <laughs> Let's go, Zach. But it was okay. like one of these, like, hey, breaking news. Guess what? Real UGC crushes, right? Yeah. But now, now, here, I'll make it like not just grinning on other people's parades or taking shots, throwing stones, glass house sort of thing, but I'm guilty of this myself as well. And a really live example is one of our biggest customers at Recart. They just, they'll go to bat for us anytime I ask them to. It's amazing. And the catch is this person is always going to tell the truth. So they like us. They're always going to tell the truth. They never actually craft anything quite the way I want them to craft it. Like the last, the last one we got, this was just about a week uh, or just, just previously this week where someone asked them three questions. And the first question was, what are the technical differentiators between Recart and any other SMS platform? Yeah. And this dude wrote back, there aren't any. It's like, you're breaking my heart, dude. I've tried to build a homepage. I've tried to build landing pages. The whole like thing is like, no, there's five things you can do with Recart that you can't do with any other SS platform. And they're true. And he's like, nah, it's not really. They all very basically the same. But what I had in that moment, and then he goes on to actually talk about the thing that does, like what makes a yeah. difference and why we're sticking around is their team executes for us. Yeah. We're not going to hire a SMS dedicated yeah. anything. And we don't even have to worry about, they'll come up with ideas if we're short. We send them ideas. They basically put it into the account and off we go. And the yes. lift off our plate for that, plus their technical savvy, really helpful. Yes. But it was like that. That's what it was to me of like, I had that realization of too, of like, what if I leaned into that? Well, I wonder if that's how a, and this is like $160 million brand yep. and growing in yep. rough conditions and growing. Yep. If that's how the leader thinks about it, maybe I should actually lean into that. Maybe my tact of like trying to create this like expectation of it does these things that other people don't do. And when you get in it, you'll experience it. Am I setting myself up for no, it, it's pretty much the same. And I'm like, no, but look at the fine tuning on this and that. It's like, but, or, or is the thing like 
just tell folks when you're talking to them, like, listen, man, everybody's going to try to get you with, uh, hey, we do this, we do that. I got my own shtick. I think they're real. I can rattle them off. But we're basically all the same. <laughs> like, what was that disarming and just too honest? Like, let's, but that's where I want to make it like real. Of, of, then that creates the brand experience of what is the thing that they're actually getting out of it? And I would never have put that. Like, if a team member came to me with this person's email, I'd be like, you can't say this. You can't seed the ground. You can't retreat. You got to push into, no, we do do better on this and this. And is it just white noise? And worse than that, is it creating an expectation that when someone gets in there and they experience it, they go, no, it's the same. And then that's what I've hung my hat on. And it's not good. One, thank you for being so vulnerable and telling that story. Two, you're spot on. And so this is why I'm such a big believer. Um, and I, I try and tread with that word lightly because belief can lead to dogma, uh, like dogmatic views. But I am so bullish on jobs to be done. Or the job to be done that the, so for people that don't know, if you haven't listened to any of the other podcasts I do where I always riff on this, it's a little bit of a complex thesis, but you can boil it down to the TLDR of people don't buy products, they hire them to do jobs. And once you identify, and people might hire your product to do different jobs, but once you can start to identify those jobs to be done, that's how you build your marketing around it because that's what people care about. And so it, going back to taking the, the example from Aaron, what I would do is definitely hammer that tack home because the other thing is not only is that job to be done really, really relevant, it's also incredibly hard for your competitors to mimic which is exactly where you want to go. Like you're not going to be able to go to Clavio or Attentive or all these other people and get the service and the white glove treatment that you guys can offer. So not only is it their job to be done, that's why they're hiring you, you're actually really good at it. And you can be like, yeah, dude, you can go there to these other places, give them more money and you're never going to see, uh, you're going to basically get the equivalent of a meta rep of like this person that's just going to call you when they want you to spend more money but have no actual impact on your business. So that. I think is really interesting, but where I would even add another layer to it is, I know you guys' product. It's really fucking cool. And there are some really interesting differentiators. However, that's when you hit them with the surprise and delight where they don't know about this. They don't necessarily need it. They come for the managed service and then they stay for the product differentiation. And that's how you do it because they're not going to come for the product differentiation. It doesn't really matter to them. That's not why they're hiring you. But if you can surprise and delight them, and that's the thing though, you can't tell them about it. You have to surprise and delight where you can say, okay, by the way, we did all this managed service stuff. And you know, we have all these really cool AI things and flows, et cetera, et cetera. We went ahead and set them up for you. Would you like me to turn them on for you? This is what they do. That I think is the, that's the, the through line of get to the job to be done. And if you do have these product differentiators or these other, we don't even need to be product, these other differentiators in your brand that can actually cause surprise and delight, add those on, but those aren't the reason that they're not the bait on the hook, if you will. What and do you that's think about probably that? the hardest thing to do for marketers of any, in any vertical, any category Super is hard. if you know, it's good, like <laughs> delayed gratification, just hold on to it. Do wait for it. Wait for it. It's going to hit so much harder. You don't even know. Yeah. Can't tell them. It's very difficult. It ruins. It it takes all the excitement away from it. And it's almost like that. uh, Like you can't tickle yourself. Somebody else has to tickle you because tickling is a expectation and you know what your body's doing. And so like to be able to do that, you have to have that element of surprise. But man, does it land. And, And the other thing too is, I'm a, again, a huge thesis around if you can help somebody either feel smarter, feel better, get their boss to brag to them, there's some sort of emotional impact on their life from your brand. Woo, baby, that's a big deposit. That is a big, big deposit. And it's the same true in when I get compliments on like a dope hat, right? Yeah. That's the, that's the piece or like socks. Like if somebody that that's the, the equivalent of it. Of, of your That's boss right. in the work world with the B2B SaaS stuff of somebody giving you a, it's the exact same thing of like that unsolicited. That, that looks good. That's cool. Oh, it's yeah. So I joke around and say people shouldn't, or like uh, I get my haircut at a barbershop. Barbershops shouldn't charge in USD. They should actually charge in compliments. And so do you want a two compliment haircut, a four compliment haircut, a five? And th- there's some sort of conversion 
from those amount of compliments. Because when you think about it, at the end of the day, what's the job to be done for a haircut? It's not really like, unless you're like super dirty or something, you've been, you know, camping in the back country for a while. It's not necessarily really hygiene. It's all about confidence, feeling good about yourself. And what's better than getting a compliment? And so uh, to take it even a step further, I would have hired like people outside the barbershop to like just look as plant look like plants. It's like dang, dang, Aaron, or I don't even know you, but sir, that haircut looks really good on you. And that again goes back to if you can nail the job to be done, everything else illuminates the path on how you can actually improve. Cause I know you have a ton to say, so let me throw it back to you. But the one thing I would say is the worst place you can get into is where you stopped yourself, where it's like, I know this is it. And th- and we're going to put more product features. We're going to do that. Where it's like, dude, actually, the product's in a great place. We just want, we should scale up our managed services. People love it. They're giving us more money. That's why they're hiring us. They're not hiring. The, the product is a manifestation of that, but they're hiring. The job to be done that they're hiring us is like, we want SMS, but we don't want to deal with it. Just print us money. You will give you money. And as long as it's arbitraging in our favor, we're, we're there. We don't care that you have the best AI in any SMS product ever. That doesn't matter to me. I'm not hiring you for that. And so the last yeah. thing I'll say is these are the, when you have these types of interviews and you can run a job to interview properly, this is what you get when you said something really smart at the beginning where brand is what people say when you're not in the room. What did they tell their significant other? What did they tell their friend? What did they tell their partner? Like, dude, I don't, I'm printing all this money on SMS. And I literally, I get an email from this guy named Aaron, who's awesome. He tells me what the initiatives are going to be for the month. And I tell him, yes, no, maybe. And I go on and run my business. And I just see all this money coming through my SMS channel. That compliment piece is such a good way to think about it in yeah, I, I love that idea of having a chart on the thing of who, uh, yeah, how many compliments do you want? Right? But the other really important piece of that is who? Who needs to compliment you for you to feel good about this? That's a, I never that's interesting. So I, it just say more. Out. Well, that's just going to segue into like I think what probably our next topic is going to be lightning round on the whole like know your enemy. Yeah. You also have to know who is the person they're trying to impress. Who's opinion? Very mind? well put. Okay. Okay. I'm Yeah. And that'll be such that an interesting That's question. interesting. That's I can't really help but now think in terms of like doing a pitch and just asking the person in the discovery call, right? Like like a barber. So who in your life do you, who does this compliment most need to come from? Is it your significant other? Is it your kids? Because I'll tell you, as a dad with now teen and preteen daughters, they're they're almost edging their mom out with like, <laughs> with who, whose compliment matters more. And so that barber then is the expert who's like, oh, that's who really matters? Oh, that's a different, that's a different haircut entirely. All right. Okay. You want that one? But just to know that really also good. opens up a big window for one, it makes the, the conversation more relational. That is really good. Be a sick angle for any sort of product consumer ad or SaaS that like who needs to compliment you. That is really good. Mm. That is really good. I need to, I need some more time to chew through that, but that's really good because it's even more potent because you're right. There definitely is. So it's interesting. So I was just out the other night, had a really great dinner. And then there was a a little like uh, ice cream parlor called the Bake Bear. Me and uh, my friend, we went there together. She got a cookie. I got a cookie, blah, blah, blah. And this guy like came running up to me. I I had some, uh, you know, as we do, had some heat on the feet, some pretty fancy ones. Got to impress people. And the recognition of that, because these are also like, I like peacock sneakers, but these weren't necessarily the peacockies. They were the, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Like you have to be in that. And so that's so interesting to me because that compliment meant a lot because these aren't like the, like I have those crazy Swarovski ones, right? Where it's like, even Mm -hmm. if you're not in sneakers, like who's this fucktard with these crazy diamond sneakers? Like it doesn't take a lot of understanding of that domain to really get that compliment. Whereas these like insanely expensive shoes, but like you wouldn't know it unless you're in that industry. And so for me, going back to your thesis, compliments matter. But when I get the compliments from the sneaker heads and you see like the, wow. the aspiration and the excitement of like, dude, there's like 300 of those out there and you're just wearing them out casually. Tell me more, blah, blah, blah. And so ah, that's so interesting. It, and it, it, even goes, it goes so into, because that, that, that example you just used is there's a, there's such a difference between if somebody reports into founder CEO, yep, where 
that is going to be, did you make my life easier so that I can, like the compliment from them is I didn't have to think about this this month. Yes. Right. That is like, whereas if versus large organizations where somebody is reporting into a head of growth, a head of acquisition, a head of retention, they're reporting into a head of retention. The compliment is uh, very much related to the customer experience. If they're reporting into a head of growth, then we're going to lean into things like incrementality. Yes. Do we need to talk about holdout testing? Whereas like, if I was trying to talk about holdout testing and incrementality to the person that's reporting into the CEO, you lose because that's not a shared language between them two. That's never going to generate a compliment, so right? So oh, yeah, and it just this gets is... you deeper into the relationship with the person you're trying to talk to. So what do you think of this thesis? I also have this thesis that unless you're the founder or CEO, the only thing you care about is making your boss happy. That's your only goal. Because if you think about it, right? Like a happy boss never fires you. Yeah. That's the God honest truth right there. Yeah. That, that it is. is what it is. I'm, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just I've I've stopped to see the... I try not to look through the lens of right and wrong because one, that's rooted in judgment, which I don't find you know very useful a lot of times because it's going to be personal bias, your own experiences, et cetera, et cetera. And then two, like right and wrong is again super relative to a lot of people. And so like right and wrong isn't the, the thing, but like, again, if I, my boss is happy, I know I am using my time in the way that is meaningful to them versus if I have a ton of output, but my boss might not care about said output. Again, it goes back to that job to be done. I think the job to be done for everybody that isn't a founder CEO is to make their boss happy. And how you untangle that is, you know, obviously a lot harder where, to, but to your point, you just laid out the perfect way to do it of like certain people care, care this, certain people care that. And I loved yeah. what you said there in the shared language, because if you don't communicate at the level and the fidelity that the person has and the expectation and the dialect, it's pointless. We're, we're all like that though. This is where you and I, we start moving into that philosophical, just us talking kind of situation because that's that's human existence human existence is i want other human beings to approve of me because we are a tribal i'm a tribal inescapably relational human who finds my judgment who finds my value in other people's judgments and i can spend all day looking at motivational posters and you know trying to decouple my soul and my identity from those other things but the better way to do it is to actually just be really selective about who who you spend and give your time to and make sure like, cause you're just, you're so inescapably that you're way better off engineering the who in your life than trying to decouple yourself from the who in your life. Ooh, that's a bar. I will push back a little bit and say, I could care two shits less about people. I either don't respect, or I don't think have the requisite domain expertise on the subject because I can't, you can't care. So I used to be uh, a quasi decent photographer and it was great to get, it almost goes back to who are you trying to impress? Because like, uh, my mom, she passed away, but she was still alive when I was doing this. And like, she would always call, you know, motherly love, right? Oh, what a great picture. She has no clue about aperture, about all these things. And like, obviously I want my mom's compliments that, that really was meaningful to me. But it was more so like when I had a re- photographer that I respected or somebody in the space, I was like, Rob, that's a dope shot. Or like, wow, you really nailed the lighting on this. That was meaningful to me. And then, you know, there's other people chirping from the cheap seats of like, oh my gosh, what a silly picture. This is dumb. Like all that stuff didn't matter, but it's so interesting how clarifying, it's almost a layer deeper in that job to be done. Find that job to be done and know who they're trying to impress and then give them the stories. Because I think people experience the world in stories. Give the person the best narrative to then feed the person they're trying to impress to then initiate not only the, the compliment, but also... When you start succeeding for people, trust is inherent. Like trust is is a function of exposure and success, in my opinion. Mm. And the more you succeed with somebody, and the more you're exposed to somebody, the more you trust somebody. Like I, or at least I mean, I know you've built out a few teams. That that's how I dealt with it. Where it was, hey, we would try and get this mind meld. I would ask people, okay, what do you think I would say? What do you think I would say? And once those answers started to become my answers, then I go run, man. I can go use my mental cycles. And I'll tell you the real kicker, when you hire the real killers, you'll say, okay, what would you think I would say? And you're like, no, that's actually not what I would say. But you know what? That's a better answer than I actually had. And that's when you know you hired the real killer where you're like, gosh, you you understood the assignment and you are surpassed. Like, you don't need me anymore. Come ask me for budget resources. We'll check in once a week and go run, baby. Go hunt. There's no, there are 
there are few feelings that are better than that. Yes. Dead on. So is brand product, is product brand? Yes, no, maybe it depends. I'm still sticking to the delts between expectations and experience with a little sprinkling now of compliments. Who are you trying to impress? Granted, yeah. Did you, I think that's a really visceral. That's it's a so good, Aaron. Cut it's to the so good. center of it. It's so brilliant, and it. it I think it was the missing piece because I think I inherently understood it. You, you ever have those things where you like you have those thoughts in your head, and then you either read a book or a podcast or an essay, and you're like, "Fuck, that was what like that was the thing I had, but people could coalesce it with words." That's it for me. Like that's the link that when I try and tell people jobs to be done, they kind of glaze over. They're like, oh, I kind of get like you hire a product, you don't buy it, blah, blah, blah. This is the missing piece. Like this is, I'm hiring it to then give myself the ability of like, babe, I'm so smart because I bought this or babe, look how brilliant I am or look how rich I am or whatever it is that they're trying to do. And then that message has to be on again the same wavelength package in the packaged in the amount of time they want to spend et cetera et cetera like and you're essentially and maybe that's really the core of it of the brand marketing is really being able to give people these message packets that are really easy to understand and then deliver them to the people they want to impress to then solicit that compliment that really makes them feel good mm. Well, yeah, this is some like 3D chess stuff. That's really, but it's practical. I mean, I can see how I'm going to start. Can trust this is, it's such a great mental model, bro. You know, mm-hmm. I love it because it also is really aligned again with that jobs to be done because somebody will have X job to be done. Somebody will have Y job to be done. Those are going to be totally different narratives that you need to give, especially if the people that are going to be, it, the job to be done might be different, but the person being the person that you want to get the compliment from might be the same, but there might be this other vector where the job to be done is the same, but the person you want the compliment from is different. Where to your point of uh, going back to the haircut example, like if you go to a wedding and you get your haircut before the wedding, even if I kept that random person out there, like that's going to be meaningful. But at the end of the day, you want the compliments from the people you care about at the wedding, whether it be the bride, the groom, your date, what have you. And they're the people that you want to give the... And so anyways... That's a fascinating expansion on my kind of theorem. I told you I would get something out of this. I knew it every time. Every it's time. It's the exact same here. It, it's a cycle. It's 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 a virtuous circle. Oh, we man, just fly, so... we just flywheeled the crap out of each other. We, we did. We did. Oh man, that's very very good. Okay, we have a few minutes left. You want to talk a little bit about kind of partnerships, enemies, anything like that? Well, I shouldn't put partnerships and enemies in the same. That that was a total misnomer. Um, but more so, well, I guess I can just lay the groundwork for you and you can kind of tell me wh- where you're headed here because one of the things that I've found, so I read a ton of business memoirs, much like you, and there is this really interesting angle of always having like a shared enemy for the company. And so like, at Triple, we really were, you know, Northbeam kind of coalesced into that, where it's like, dude, we're going after Northbeam. You know, Nike was Adidas. The the a big high up at uh, Nike left for Adidas, and it just absolutely nuked the bridges there. For Apple, it was Android. And I, because you're happy go lucky like me, but do you think there's any validity to? And again, you don't necessarily need to make this public. This can be an internal thing of like hey, guys, this is who we're gunning for kind of thing. But I've just found it's really healthy for team morale, for cohesion, for um, not necessarily goal setting. I don't think you should set your goals based on competitors, but more so those softer skills of like, and just going back to my younger days, when I was a runner, there was a guy that I had a picture of in my locker that I look at every day or like, because I was only going to race him twice a year. Um, And I was like, dude, everything that I'm doing is to beat this guy because I know he's working just as hard as I am. So I have to work even harder. Is there any validity to that? Or is that a little too negative? I don't think it's too negative. I think it's galvanizing a common enemy. Galvanizing. That's a great, that, perfect term. It's, it's powerful. Yeah. 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 And also to know for, for your organization, your team to know who are we really up against? Yes. Big, because that also changes. I mean, it just changes the pitch. It changes the the battle card, it changes the verses. I mean, yes. really, it gets very practical about the more you know about that specific enemy, yes. the better you can frame the, uh, argue the opposite or, you know, where are their differentiators? But what I've been obsessed with recently, when I talk about know your enemy, what I've 
feel like I've come up against just over and over again is it's not a specific competitor. And, I, and I'm now I'm starting to think this is true in, in almost all things. It's not really a specific competitor that you're ever up against. The mm-hmm. main thing that most people are selling against is doing nothing or doing the same thing. Yes. That's all it comes down to. Because the easiest thing in the world to do is nothing. And the second easiest thing in the world to do is the thing you've always done. That's, and so you're, you're up against not actually someone picking an alternative, but them staying the course. It's, it's yeah, what? Yeah, go for it. No, I, it's just so crazy because like, I know you're not like super classically chained for jobs to be done, but like you're implicitly explaining it. So like, it's crazy. Again, I know I might be hammering this to death, but I'm telling you, if there's if there's two frameworks you learn as a marketer, learn jobs to be done, and then there's a really cool behavior model by a guy named BJ Fogg called uh, "It's Behavior Change Only Happens When Motivation, Ability, and Prompt Are Together Simultaneously." Those, if you can figure those two things out, that'll unlock so much marketing for you. But anyways, going back to you being so smart, where you're you're you you know the book without having to read it, kind of shit. So well, in job. So the, the place that this hit me, it came alive to me when I was, I was trying to decide if I wanted to get a Lomi. Yep. And I didn't do a single competitive search. Yep. I didn't go to see what else is on the market that I can put yep. my compostable trash in. Does it look better? This yep. or that. What it came down to for me was on the landing page. As I was scrolling, there was a before and after shot. But the before shot was, here's the gross, dirty bucket with that leaky biodegradable bag yep. sitting on your counter right now versus this glorious thing. And that was that was not, hey, we're going up against somebody choosing a competitor. That was, we're going head to head with the present reality. Yes. Them continuing to do what they've been doing. How do we make the thing you're continuing to do so repulsive that you can't but choose now to do something else? Yes. So just to kind of cap everything off, there's two ways that jobs to be done interviews. One, there's the timeline, which is super, super helpful. Um, I won't go into it because it's a little bit elongated. So just for brevity, but there's another way to think of it as well, where they call it the forces diagram. And so you have pushes, pulls that will take. So if you think of it like the current ways here, the new ways here, what is pushing you away from the current way? What is pulling you to the new way? So the push might have been for you, like, dude, I that that bag of compostable stuff. I like composting. I want to be a good human. I really enjoy this way of life. But man, it sucks. It's dirty. It breaks sometimes. It gets my house dirty. And then you see this pool to the new way of like, oh my gosh. So you're saying I can just put in this thing and all that stuff happens. And then the other side of it is you have anxieties and inertia, right? That are holding you back from the new way of like, oh, maybe I don't want to spend the money or, oh my gosh, how how many, does this thing have bags? Do I have to clean it? Is the is me cleaning it going to be more time than doing this? Oh, the anxiety, what if it breaks? Do I get a new one? What happens when it breaks? Where, how am I going to compost? And you have all these things and then you can really understand. And the, the too long didn't read there is a switch only happens when the pushes and pulls are actually more than the anxieties and the inertia. And so you have to push them over. It's so good, Aaron. I'm telling you, it's wow. the jobs to be done needs to be... Bob Mesta and Clayton Christians are incredible. But what's even crazier is you basically just explained it without not even having the concept. You're, oh, you're, so, you're so brilliant. Innovator's you're Dilemma, so, all of that. So, no, no, listen, I've been there. I'm, I'm not want to like act like I'm coming up with these things off the dome. But what I will add to that is also bear in mind, the initial push away from the present state yes. will often not be enough to overcome if you don't address the anxieties. Or the inertia of like, dude, I already yeah. have, like, for example, credit card's a good example, right? Where it's like, okay, I have my credit card, but look, I can get 0% interest. I can get, all, okay, but how do I pay the credit card? I already have my bank payment set up. I already have this. Like, there's that inertia of the current way. Like, for example, you, you know what I mean? You, uh, you might already have the family chores built around the bag of composting. Where it's like, okay, well, who's going to do it now? Like, all the, without the push pull being more than the anxieties and the inertia, you won't get anybody to change. And you can't continue to, so like, for example, if I had to come in, the push was away from the present state because it is, yes. it's, just, it's my job, it's gross, bugs come in at least once exactly. every six months. There's yeah. these things of like, it doesn't look good when company comes over. Correct. But if that had been the be all and end all, like if they knew they'd hooked me with the push and I showed some trepidation and all they did was double and triple down on the push, 
But the real issue was, I've got to be able to justify spending this much money. That's where you're uncovering the, okay, who's the enemy now? Yes. Right? That's the digging one level deeper into, and I think I've just experienced this as well, where like you just, it's so tempting to want to grab a hold of that initial push, the thing that repulsed yes. them away from their present state and yes. keep going back to, oh, it was this thing. Remember this thing? This thing's bad. And what the person eventually says in not so many words is, you've convinced me. That's no yes. longer the issue. I know yes. this is better than, than garbage on the counter. Yes. Stop talking to me about that. Yes. Tell me why I can actually explain spending so much more. So well put, man. So well put. Focus, won't you? Because a lot of times, too, the pushes will be self evident. Like people will convince themselves of the push by themselves. The pull is really where you need to concentrate on, or lowering the anxieties and the inertia. Yes to make the pull towards the, or the, yes. the force towards the current way less. So yes. even though the, the pull towards, or the force towards the new way isn't super strong, as long as it's more than the force of the old way, you're still going to get a switch. And so I, I, it's such a brilliant way to look at it in terms of where you're talking about how you can bring people along, not only this, you know, life cycle of a sale, but also where you concentrate on, because I think that's one of the challenges is you put so much effort behind something that fails. And that's like, it's just a fallacy. Just because it took you a long time and you put a bunch of work into it doesn't mean it's important. Oh, yeah. Sunk cost right there. Let them go. Let them go. Oh my gosh. This is so good, dude. This is so good. What else I got for? Are oh, you got a nugget? You got a nugget for us? Are you going to fill in for Chase's little nugget? You said you got one for me? I'll get a nugget. Do you have a nugget too? Or is this only Chase's job? I, I do a product. Oh. Okay, my nugget is beware of opening any relationship, especially if it's related to sales or marketing with a neg. What I mean by that is I get these constantly and I had a friend oh, dump on me a whole bunch of like basically cold emails and cold DMs yeah. that yep. they've been sending out where with the best of intentions, what they were what they were doing was opening with the card of, hey, hello, here's all the specific things that you're doing wrong with blank product, with blank so to, so to speak. And this person is really well-meaning and they're legitimate things that people are messing up. But I, they were like, why, why is this not getting the success that I want it to get? These are all like, if they would let me fix this for them, they would, they would do better. They would make more money. They would get the compliments that they want. Yes. Right. And I just, as I looked at it, I said, it's, it's, you have to establish that good, positive experience first, earn the right to say, oh, and here's what you're doing wrong. Or what I've started experimenting with is just baiting, baiting the bad. Where what I do is I just send two bar. screenshots or like three screenshots of, and then I write something like, you're kidding me, right? After two screenshots or three screenshots. <laughs> it's, the bait, it's the hook of like, Maybe they see it and it's a little embarrassing, or maybe they don't and they want to ask the question of what it is. But it's like this lighthearted like entry into, yo, you're messing this up. Let me fix it for you. But it's the the bait works so much better than the, just the hammer. Oh man, I, I that so eloquently put, and I really, man, it's just so spot on. The other thing that I've found with that as well is it does nothing. Like you either a come across judgmental. Or B, these people are like, yeah, I have these problems. You don't think I fucking know I have these problems? How are you going to fucking fix them? I don't care. I'm not about problems. I'm about solutions. So I think, one, the baiting is actually really interesting because that's a nice little uh, way to bring them into a conversation. Or two, it's like, hey, we've worked with a ton of brands of yours. If you want, no. we can look at your account. Blah, no. Blah, blah, blah. That's terrible. Okay, give me No. A you know what give the really giving thing to do is? Good. Here's how you can fix it with the tool you're already using. Don't hate it. I don't know if I'm super into it. You can build some goodwill, but I don't know if I'm super into that. Give me another one. I'm not super into that one. That's not super into it. I'm okay. missing goodwill though. Yeah. I don't mind that. I think it's more so in the fact of like, because then that also convolutes. Like I don't need to win goodwill with this person if I'm already talking with them. I need to get them to the compliment. And like judgment's not going to get them to the compliment. Me telling them they they suck at using their tool and this is how they should use their current tool better doesn't get me to the compliment. What gets me to the compliment is like, hey, I have some really awesome ideas. One of the things, and going back to that job to be done, like one of the things that whatever business I am at, these are the things that we're really good at. I think there might be some opportunities for you to grow here if you have some time or whatever. Or And none of it, because the, the other thing is, depending on who you're talking to, it always needs to be framed in a sense of, 
time commitment or cost and value. And so it's like, hey, you know what? If you guys have some time or I don't even need your time. If you want, you can you know, sign up here or whatever and I'm happy to do a really quick audit for you. We can jump on in 30 minutes and I'll show you how to improve your business or something like that. Where Because my whole thing is the cognitive load is too high. When you get judgment, you just tell that person to fuck off. Yes. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. You told yeah. me what to do with my current tool, but who's going to do it? Like this isn't an intelligence issue. It's just a fucking resource constraint. So cool. Thanks for bringing something up where it's like, I, I get it, but I don't have any fucking time to do it. And so if you can frame that in a cost value where you make it an IQ test of like, hey, you know, just doing some quick back of the back numbers, I think we with these three things that I can implement for you in under right. two days, if you come on the platform, we can generate X amount lift in your revenue. Is that something you'd be interested in? And that you can get to a cost value equation and then you get closer to the complement. And there's not a lot of ask. I think the challenge with these negative things or these judgmental emails is either A, it's too, the, the cognitive low is too high or the ask is too big because I don't know what the value is. You're like, okay, cool. I need to fix all these things. But what does that mean? Uh, the higher you get, the simpler you need to be. Like, I just want to either make more money. I want to reduce OPEX. Like, I... There needs to be one easy takeaway and going back to the narrative building. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, man, actually, I got this amazing email. They said they can fix these three things within a week that could generate Y amount of lift for Z amount of dollars. Like, that's an easy story to tell your boss. And then you can make that clear. And the boss is like, yeah, so it's going to cost us $1,000 and we're going to make $5,000 and it doesn't give you any more work. Yes, do it. There it is. That, that piece of these are the things, number. In this amount of time, dates for this cost to generate this return. Simple, right? Value equation. And the, the more you can make that value equation IQ test where it's not even a decision, where it's just like, how? it's like the TJ Maxx of the world, right? Like I, I have this affliction. I can't go in like TJ Maxx or any of these like markdown stores. because I'm like, it's like a $400 product. Like I, I bought like a hundred dollar rug in there for, but it, they have the price sticker, right? It was like four hundred bucks. It's only hundred dollars now. Why? Well, I don't need it, but it's economically irresponsible not to buy this. Those are the best offers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm making three hundred dollars. Exactly. Um, that's a really good nugget, man. That's a really good nugget. I like that. I have never been sold on the judgment or the negative. I think it's it's a really hard sell for all the reasons we just discussed. And I think the the path that you laid down. To be fair, I do like the bait thing, but I think the bait is more of getting them back into the communication loop and then you hit them with the value equation. Uh, I'm going forth with that. That's great. Yeah, I love it. Okay, my product of the week, to be fair, I haven't super, super tested it. To be fair, this Lomi looks pretty cool. I have a friend that she's really into composting, but we're in an apartment building. So this actually might be really, really interesting. This is super because she has to take it over to Whole Foods across the way to drop it off there. And there's basically the back porch is the only where you can put it. So this is really interesting. But my product pick of this week, it's called Matter. How do you keep all of your, because uh, I know you read a lot, you do, how do you kind of centralize all of your intellectual? diet? Like, is it Notion? Is it just Apple Notes? Is it pen and paper? Like, how do you centralize everything? It's Google Docs and it's Slack okay. myself things. Okay. I, I actually like that a lot. That's a, that's a smart... I, I think there's a certain aspect of tool masturbation sometimes where you spend more time on trying to find the perfect optimal system versus just do something simple and be able to get it and then you can figure out... Because I'm actually a Apple Notes guy and then I will level up into Notion just because I have some systems in there. But I've found if I go from Spark to Notion, I lose. Like, because I'll, I'll get in the, and then it's too complex. I lose versus I can go Spark, Apple Note, get the kind of meat and the bones on it. And then as I flesh it out, but there is this really cool tool. Cause the other thing is I listen to a lot of podcasts and it's hard to keep that information because unless you have the transcript or stuff like that, it's hard to, you know, piece up those little audio clips. So there's this uh, company called Matter. If you go to hq.getmatter.com and we'll put it in the show notes, um, not only is it kind of like a pocket or uh, uh, like a, a reader where you can read all your stuff, highlight all your stuff. So kind of almost like a readwise, um, but they just now added readable podcasts. And so now when I'm listening to a podcast on there, I can highlight and snippet stuff out of that podcast and then drop it in because I get so many nuggets. Uh, but a lot of times I, uh, I don't archive them or write them down and then I, I lose them unless I rediscover them. And with that, I don't know if you realize what you just did. 
You, you literally brought us all the way back around to my opening stumble. Readers, oh, listeners. This guy's what? good. This guy's good. I told Chase we were going to lay down the heat. I told him we were going to lay down the down. heat. Anybody who makes it this far, shut That's it down. It. That's it. it. Oh, amazing. Aaron, how can people get more involved with you? How can they get on the most awesomest SMS platform on the planet, Recar? This time's yours, my friend. At Aaron Orndorf. Find me on uh, the X. Find me on LinkedIn. There's only one Aaron Orndorf in marketing in the world. I own all the search results for it too, so I'm super easy to find. You can go to recart.com. Check out our five differentiators on the home page. <laughs> 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 okay. None of them are actually real. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. It. Uh, and and hit, hit me with the DMs. That is just, uh, I'm still low-hanging fruit. We talk about those compliment things. Man. You, you consistently like and comment on something of mine on either one of those two platforms for like a three, four day period. You come in. I'll, I'll talk to you. We'll hang. We'll hang. Uh, are you a mentor pass or anything? I am. You should. Yeah. Let's go. Good. Yeah. Pay, pay, pay for some, pass. pay for some time. Let's go for this. Get, get some time with AO. I'm telling you guys, he is not only again, one of the just most awesomest humans, but dude, I, I, you're Mount Rushmore of just content brand, the way you see things and you're such a rare breed in the sense of you do have kind of both brains if you want to oversimplify, where I know a lot of really great creative people, but they have a hard time getting across the bridge of analytics, of data to kind of support their narrative. Even though their narrative is actually correct, there's going back to those shared languages. I think there's like marketing language and there's leadership language. And to find somebody that can speak both as fluently as you is uh, you, you fall in that game changer quadrant of high, high agency, high talent. And uh, go get some time with this man. He's, he's fantastic. This is why I spend my time with you. Get out of here. There's the check. There's the check. There's the compliment, baby. That's, the, the that's how you put a bow on it. Get there's the, the there's the job to be done. Okay, folks, we're going to sign off. Uh, Chase will be back next week, but we'll probably bring Aaron back every uh, three or four shows. We really love him. We'll sprinkle in some, some guests. Chase and I will probably do three and then we'll sprinkle in a guest every month just to give you guys some variety are you doing you doing sun lane you going out to the sun lane event san diego oh, breaking my heart no i'll no. be in austin now no kidding i'm gonna be coming out to marketing land in oh october. in october okay that just got on my radar okay amazing yep. well worst case if i don't go to that um i'm taking you out to dinner what else we got we have a newsy i don't think the newsy's launched yet Maybe it is. I'll have to check with Chase. But we possibly Newsy. Um, the YouTube channel is coming to be spun up. And then we're still working on some cool community events. Chase obviously moved over to Heatmap. Um, I have some stuff I got to get sussed out too. But we really want to do an event with you guys. We hear you. We want to bring a bunch of really amazing people together um, and just jam. So we'll get you more deets there. Ayo, there's no other way I'd rather spend a Friday. Thank you so much for the time. And then shout out to Louie, Adam carte blanche hats really cool to see what they've been able to do with that brand it's it's amazing and boy if it if if it's on your lid i mean if it's a lid in ao's collection you know that's a going back to who do you want the compliment from i mean you're you're the hat king yeah let, let's be real you're, you're you're the trendsetter when it comes to the lids in d2c and you are you are now part of the club so chase is going to be a little angry that he's still he's still uh but i think he reps dad gang but you got dad gang too right yeah, oh, you, you got yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm Bart's killing it. It's, it's a yeah. Bart, Bart's oh, killing it, dude. Powerful Bart. That's how you do it. It's it. All right, brother. Thanks again for everything. Uh, I'll ping you with all the stuff when we launch this. And this is way I knew it was going to be incredible. This was this was one for the ages. I I had some really huge epiphanies. The who you want the compliment from is something that I'm going to steal from you till the end of my I days. Didn't have that that is, thought when we started, and maybe you're editing this last part out. That's great. Um, I didn't. It's, that thought didn't so exist good. in my head until after this last 45 minutes. So I'm getting so, it too. It's so, so clear. It's so the, the clarity that it brings me. And it gives me, again, that, that secondary layer that I think I was missing with the job to be done where figuring out that job to be done is huge. I know how to do that. But now that second layer of... Because it also informs not only your, uh, your targeting, but again, those narratives that you package within those targets. Where it's like certain pockets of people are going to care about certain things. And if I can give them the correct narrative, because I know they care about, again, the retention or their, their founder led. So they need to talk to their founder. Like it's brilliant stuff, man. Brilliant stuff. You did not disappoint. All right, folks. Well, we'll see you all next week. Again, Aaron, thank you so much. Go get Aaron's time. Go follow him. He has a fantastic feed, candidly. And to be fair, you do some decent work on LinkedIn. I don't know why I'm such a LinkedIn hater. 
it's like a decent platform. I know people doing numbers over there and I just, I have yet to make the jump. So I need to, I need to get over there, but um, both of his feeds are fantastic. And then definitely go check out Recart. Have a great weekend, AO. I can't wait. So I'll see you in like a month then. Oh my gosh. My day is just getting yeah. better and better and better. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for the time, brother. I- enjoy the PNW. I'm sure the weather is getting really nice now. You're not in that cold yet. And it's just, it's glorious up there. I need to make it up to Bend. I heard Bend is one of the most magical places on the planet. I have a friend, a fellow or Oregonian. Is that That's right. Oregonian. Yeah. Yeah. Or Oregonian, and she's uh, she said Bend is nothing. It's just magical. The park, the the waterfalls, everything up there. So enjoy all that. And that's it, folks. That's another growth fault in the books. Thanks again, Ayo. Thank you.